Wow, what that amazing, moving, incredible worship time with our band. Thanks, you guys. Grush. It's kind of dangerous that they left this up here. I'm not even going to do it. Uh, I'm just going to put it over here. So, band person, over here. It's great to be with you this morning. Uh, Rarely do I drive into San Francisco with no traffic, but when it's 6 a.m. on a Saturday, it's the time to drive in. I mean, right over the bridge. No one. It was great. Uh, So, January. Wow, Monday. The 18th, can you, does anybody, I don't know where those days went because I was just in Hawaii. I was actually on the big island of Hawaii, which was amazing, between Christmas and New Year, and I was not ready to come back (laughs) because I was on a vacation from my life. Except you do, you, you do take your life with you, right? But, but this vacation we do every year. We do it with our, our daughter, just our daughter. We take our daughter Maggie, and we leave our son Trent home because uh, we, we like to get a break from Trent. And for those of you who don't know Trent's story, I should tell you, uh, he has severe autism, so that's why we like to get a break from him. Because I know not everybody knows my story, and so you're probably thinking in your head, wow, okay, I guess one of your kids is your favorite. <laughs> It's a big year for us in our house because our daughter is graduating from high school this year. I know, right? Wow. And uh, I got to tell you something. You know how you know that your kid's graduating from high school is because you get a text in the middle of the day, and, and this is what the text says. Hey, Mom, have you watched the Adele... Uh, Karaoke with late late night James Coney. Okay, I don't late late night. That's like I don't even know what time that show starts. Like 12:30, because I'm old and I go to bed at 10. And I and I go no, I haven't. But I, I do love Adele, uh, and so I I said, are you on are you on break? What like, why are you writing me this right now? And where are you? Are you ditching? Are you what are you doing? Oh no no no, I'm in our, I'm in class. I'm in class. Our teacher's showing us the Adele video. I'm like. <laughs> I did not have that teacher in high school. No one was showing me a debt. Well, she wasn't born yet then, but you know what I'm saying? I was like, you have to be a senior because your teachers have given up. Like, they're like, we're done. It's January. You know what? Today in art, we're just going to watch Adele. That's pretty cool. And it's an exciting year for us because this has been a long journey for Maggie. Uh, with, with her struggles, she's got really bad learning disabilities. So to graduate from high school for her is a, it really is a pinnacle event in, in her life. It, might, it may be a bigger deal for me, frankly, because now I've graduated from high school twice because I've done a lot of high school work over the last four years under the guises of Maggie Vincent. It's a big year for us as well because our son Trent turns 18. In March. Now, some of you have known me almost as long as I've had Trent. And uh, it's a big deal for us because uh, we, we're, we're in a new phase with our son. And, and it's a big deal because it's a transition phase like all, of, all parents have. And, and if you don't have kids, just think of any kind of transition you've had in your life. Maybe think of your own transition from when you went from being sort of a teenager into kind of a young adult and your parents, we, we love you, get out. Uh, or they said, don't go, don't go. Or you said, I don't want to go. Or like me, you were like, I was way, I was gone. So way long, way before that. I was the youngest, you know, right? But our son is 18, and um, that means a lot of things. Like last week, we had to sign papers to apply to be his legal guardians because he can't make decisions for himself. These are like really um, bittersweet moments for us. I mean, to think that he's come as far as he's come in almost 18 years is a testimony for sure to God's faithfulness. Again and again and again and again, when many days there was probably not even a shred of hope or faith inside of me. And it's a bitter time for us because it, 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 it marks a transition time for him. Now, now he's going into a new phase of life, and we're going to have to start uh, navigating that with him and, and letting go of him a little bit. And you know what? It doesn't matter. You know, this my, he's my youngest. He is truly he is my baby, and he's really a baby in a lot of ways. I mean, he's a man but he's kind of a child. So when he was younger, 
we uh, thought for sure he was never going to grow because he was really small. Now, my husband's six feet. He's not, you know, he's kind of average, right? I guess, or is that average height for men? I don't know what it is, but for him, that's, oh, that's tall. Okay, see? Um, I'm five, I was five seven, but, but I, I'm, I'm in menopause, so now I'm five six. Because <laughs> I'm going down, I'm just, right? I'm like, oh well, whatever. More heels to be worn, that's the exciting part. And, uh, but you know, he, uh, he was very small, small, and he was an average baby, but small, all the way really through uh, preschool, small. Uh, elementary school, small, you know, and then and middle school, small, and my husband in particular started getting anxious about it. Like, he's never going to grow. He's never going to grow. And I was like, well, why, this isn't going to be an issue. I mean, it's not like he's going to prom and it's going to worry that his date's taller than he is, honey. But there was something in my husband's mind that was important to him, you know. And, and it's a unique thing, I think, with fathers and sons. I was grateful he was small because I could handle him, you know, <laughs> right? Uh, all the way through middle school. And then he hit high school and the la in the last year, he grew six inches. Yeah, so take a look at this good-looking guy right here. I know. He gets his looks from his dad, for sure. He is um, taller than me, big, tall. He's filling out now, you know? He's a, he is a, I call him my, my woolly mammoth man-child, because he's just hairy, and it's... Uh, yeah, just, let's regroup. Okay, come back. He's, ten, he's super tender-hearted, and uh, that's part of what makes transitioning him at some, in the next couple of years into a new living space for the long-term hard, because he's so tender and he's sweet-spirited. I mean, he has his moments, you know, where he pulls furniture over and does things like that, but uh, he's, his heart is tender. And so as a mom, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, as he's pushing me away, because he's like every other teenage boy. He might have autism, but he don't want anything to his mother. I mean, I'm, he's like, bye. He won't even kiss me anymore. And I know that most teenage sons don't kiss their mothers goodbye when they drop them off at school, but I've been able to hold on to that a little longer than most. But like recently now, he's just like, bye. <laughs> Breaks my heart. We never thought he'd grow. And then he grows six inches in one year. And I, I was thinking about him as kind of a template for what I'm talking about this morning, which is about this, this piece of our journey that's about growth. Because sometimes growth in our journey with God and with others happens just like that. I mean, it just, boom, it's like a shot. I remember when we went for our yearly checkup, our, our doctor looked at him and looked at me and looked at the chart and then said, my gosh, welcome to puberty, right? <laughs> boom. But, but sometimes growth is kind of like um, it was when he was younger, you know? So slow. Every, every quarter of an inch just seems to just take forever, and it's, and it's laborious. You know, and you think, is it, am I ever going to grow? Am I always going to be here? Am I always just going to be stuck in this place? And, and then sometimes growth is like where I am in, in my physical body, where you once were here, but now you're shrinking down. You've kind of, you've kind of been here, and then maybe you hit a wall with God, and you, you kind of feel like you're almost, you're almost shrinking. Growth is, is like that. It, it comes in all different kinds of um, shapes and sizes in, in our relationship with God. And, and it's important for us to, to note that. Because sometimes I think when we talk about uh, growing and, and being in relationship with God and, and, and planting and watering, we kind of think in our heads that it's just going to be a, you know, and, and it's not. It's never like that. I mean, that's like a, that's a dream world where it would just, we just keep going up, but sometimes we do go down. Sometimes we just are flat. And, and, and the issue isn't exactly necessarily where we are, it's that we acknowledge that growth is real and important and crucial for us, no matter what place we are in our lives. God isn't out there somewhere waiting for us to grow up. God is here now. Uh, and he is present, and he is growing you whether you know it or not. I think a good uh, text for us is this Matthew 13 text. I'm going to have him put it up on the screens, and I want to read through this, this parable in Matthew 13. Uh, it's called a lot of things. Some people call it the uh, parable of the seed. Some people call it the parable of the sowers. Jesus called it the parable of the sower. So I think if it was good enough for Jesus, that's good enough for me. So I'm going to call it the parable of the sower. Uh, and I'm going to start reading um, at verse 3. I'm going to go down to verse 9, and then we're going to jump to the, to the end where 
Jesus being kind-hearted as he is actually just explains it to us. Because he tells stories and people go. And then he kind of diverges off. And then he comes back around and he goes, okay, let me tell you what I meant. Because clearly you have the upper teeth look. You, you, know, you don't get it. Thank you, God. All right, let me read that for us. Uh, he told many stories in the forms of parables such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun. And since they didn't have deep roofs, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still, other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. And then I just put this in, and, but in case you didn't understand, let me tell you what it means. <laughs> now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produced a harvest of 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. So I want to un un unpack that a little bit with you in terms of, of, of this. I titled my message this morning, Deep Calls Out to Deep. It's actually a, a phrase from Psalm 42. And the reason I, I, I chose that phrase is because I think from the depths of who we are, God, who is depth, takes us and helps us grow. From the depths of who we are, whether we acknowledge it or not, we are made and we live and we cry out to God. And God, who is deeper and greater and wider and broader than any, any other thing, any other concept, any other person in the universe, hears our voice and takes us to the deep places of life. Deep calls out to deep from the depths of my soul, wherever my soul might be. In Psalm 42, the psalmist is actually writing from a place of despair. Like, I, I'm done. You ever felt like that? I'm, I, I'm, that despair is never going to get better. Uh, I felt that way before. I, I can actually feel that way in one moment of my day and the next day feel hopeful. That's just how real emotions work, right? But we can also cry out to depth from a deep place within us that longs for something. God, I long for more of you. I, I want to know you more deeply. I want to know you more intimately. Any time you've ever dated somebody, you know, you get to that place where you want to get to know them better or you don't. Like, <laughs> I remember when I was single, and, and I, I got married at 30, so I had a, a good number of years, you know, where I was in the dating pool, sort of. And, um, I can remember a singles pastor saying to us one night, now here's the deal. You date somebody and you either marry them or you break up. So stop fooling around, just do it. And I was like, wow, okay. So there were a lot of breakups after I heard that. Because I was kind of, you know, you ever do it, kind of holding on, like, well, you might work, maybe you'll change, I could change you. you know, and, then, and then I realized, no, you know, Okay, so there's that sort of sense of, of uh, longing for something more. I want to know you better. When I met my husband, Dan, uh, I, I remember going out on a, on a date with him, and, and he went to the movie Pretty Woman with me. <laughs> right, I know. 
And I thought, I want to know you, I want to know you more. Because you, on a first date, went to a chick flick. And I didn't, um, I didn't realize this until I really got to know my husband, but like, what a huge sacrifice that actually was for my husband, because that's not really his bent. Like, he's not like, let's go and like, just have, he, no, it's not, he, he's like, hey, let's go see the crazy eight or the deadly eight or whatever that movie is, the new Quentin Tarantino movie. I'm like, that's a guy's night out, hon. Have fun. But he did, and I wanted to get to know him more deeply because I thought there's something inside of this man that, that's interesting. And as you get to know, either it's, it might be a, a, someone you're dating, a, it might be your spouse, it could be a friendship where you go, there's something here I want, oh, I want to spend more time, I want to, I want to know who this person is. That, that place of death is, is often where we might be with God. You might not even know you're there with God. But something inside of you is crying out for more. You go, God, there's got to be more. There's got to be more than this. I get up, I go to work, I come home. The world seems to be like just falling apart. There's got to be more than this. That's deep calling out to deep. That's deep calling out to deep. So I was trying to think about this idea of, of, of growth and, and kind of what that might look like for us. And so a couple things I want to share with you. I think we grow deeper with God when, first of all, we, we know what kind of soil is needed for growth. I, we know what kind of soil is needed for growth. Now, the nice thing about this parable is Jesus just kind of gives us the full picture. You know, we don't have to, like, even scratch our heads. He just lays it out. Here's all these different types of soil. Now, I, I should just say, parenthetically, that in my life, I have been every single one of those kinds of soil. I, I have been every single one of those kinds of soil. There, 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 are, there are lots of trajectories and times in life. I, I have been in a place where I did not know who God was. You know, I saw it, you know, God had, God's put the seed out for everybody. There's no, there's nobody out here, none of us out here are like, I didn't get any seed. No, it's out there. <laughs> We're just not seeing it for what it is. Uh, and then at a point in time, I saw that, that seed for what it was, you know? And I got all excited and I came to faith. And then in, in my trajectory of growth, sometimes I'm all excited and I'm ready. And then I just, something comes and, I'm like, what? I got a kid with autism? And then I just go, and it's like cracked, deserty ground because I just sh I shrink down under the challenges of life. Now, growth is like this. So I, I want to encourage you because sometimes when you hear something like this, we talk about good soil. I know what some of you are thinking, like, oh, I, I'm not feeling, I, I'm going to say fertile, but maybe that's not, it's okay if I say that here. <laughs> I'm not feeling that way. Like, I'm the parched one. Oh, I'm, maybe, I'm the, maybe I'm, th I'm the thorn. You, you could be all of those things. It, do it doesn't matter. Jesus doesn't tell this parable to be like, oh, ooh, you're thorny. <laughs> hey, good luck. Because you will be thorny soil. You, you will be. There will be moments in your journey with God where you may, in fact, turn your back on God for a period of time, where you're just mad. You're just mad that God hasn't worked things out the way you wanted them to be, or you feel lonely, or you can't see the path, and you might just say, forget it. You might do that. But if you, if you have cried out from the depth of your soul for God, you'll, you'll come back, because <laughs> that's where the source of life is. So you got to know this. You are a parchment of soil, every one of us. We're like, a, you know, if we had a little communal farm here, everybody would have their little part, right? And every one of us has, is a soil. And sometimes our soil changes. But growth isn't about having perfect soil because that soil doesn't exist. Okay? Growth is about knowing the soil that you're in. So you can look at the soil that you're in and you can say, wow, you know what? Right now, I, this is rocky. I, I'm not going to be able to move forward. Or you might say, hey, my soil is good and I'm grateful and I want to be a person who's really letting God work. But you just have to start by saying, I am in ground. I, have a, I am a piece of ground, if you want to use it that way. However, you can put it into your mind's eye. No one is walking away. No one is walking away empty-handed. Everybody has had seed sown upon them. And the type of ground that you're on right now is the type of ground that you're on right now. And what God wants to do is step into that ground with you. God doesn't just drop some seed down and go, good luck. 
You know, it's not survivor. <laughs> God says, I've planted seed here, and, and, I, and I'm actually going to squat on this land with you and be in it with you. So we have to recognize that we all have seed that has been sown to us, that we all are, are part of this you know, great picture of, of soil, and we have to understand what kind of soil do we need for growth. Well, we do need good soil to grow. That's true. Uh, one of the things I often will, will tell myself and others is, God always meets you where you are. Like, this is the glorious thing about God. Like, God never goes, no. Just get your act together a little bit more and then come back, you know? Or, or God never looks at you and says, oh, wow, mm, you don't look very cute today, but I, <laughs> okay. No, God always takes us where we are. So you might be here this morning and, and you came because your friend goes, hey, free food, and come on. <laughs> and now you're like, oh my gosh, I'm soil with seed on me. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, you might have come here today and and you're like, you know, I didn't really realize it, but I'm parched, I'm parched. <laughs> it's cracking and it's dry, and you might be here today, and there might be some thorns and, and, and weeds amongst you. The, the goal for us is to say, how, how can I allow God to cultivate the soil in me so that it can be its most productive in terms of healthy? I am a, a horrible gardener. My husband will not even let me in the yard. Barely. I mean, there's a little area that's boxed off for me. That's, that's concrete. Like, he's like, here. Because I'm not, it's just not my thing. And he loves it, and it's a, he likes to get his hands in the dirt. And, you know, I, all day long, he is working with people, and problems are coming to him all day long. And I think he likes gardening because he can actually get his hands in something and kind of see it happen. Right? Because sometimes the, the fruit of his labor takes a, a, a long time to, to see. And sometimes it doesn't turn out exactly the way he wants and that kind of thing. But he loves it. And, and he knows exactly what good soil looks like. We live in Folsom, and the soil in Folsom is horrible. Um, this is, was a great chagrin to him. He did not research that before we moved there, evidently, because it's very hard. So to get good, you've got to bring in a lot of stuff. You've got to get, get it mixed up. Good soil is always churned up. Isn't that a great picture? Isn't it a good picture for us to understand that good soil is soil that's been churned up? It's not just soil that's perfect. We put a fake lawn in our yard this year, partly because of the water thing, where we're like, well, let's do our part. And so we got this little fake lawn. And we also got it because our dogs swim in our, we have a little pool. And they swim, and then our one dog gets out and does the same path, always was over the grass and through these bushes. And so it, she always killed the grass, you know? And uh, I didn't actually notice that, but my husband noticed it, and it really bothered him. So when the, I think that the water crisis for us was sort of a gift in disguise, because now we have fake grass. And it's awesome. Like, we don't water it. It's always green. It looks pretty good. <laughs> our dog can swim all day long, and there's nothing there, right? But, um, but we put it in, and I was just thinking about this idea of how that grass isn't real. It's lovely, but it's not real. And, and the real stuff is behind the grass, where we, we, we have to have the soil churned up. You know, we can present ourselves in life like that fake grass, and we can look good, can't we? And we know how to do that. And, but, but really good soil says, no, I'm not interested in being fake. I'm interested in being real. I'm not actually interested in being uh, just static. I'm actually interested in God getting his hands in there and mashing it up. So the, so the first thing we go is we say, OK, well, good soil. We all have soil. We're going to be on all those soils at different points and times in our life, sometimes multiple times in our lives. But the good soil is the soil that says to God, God, I'm open to you doing what has to be done for me to be fertilized and to be living fully as the woman you made me to be. So that's the first thing. Second thing is this, that if we're going to grow deeper with God, we have to know what weeds are in our garden. We've got to know that. You've got to know what weeds are in your garden. Now, here's the thing. You know what weeds do. I do know this. I, actually, I looked it up on Google. <laughs> weeds drain soil 
of its nourishment and nutrition. They drain soil of nourishment and nutrition. Uh, all of us have weeds in our lives. Now, this is good news for us, and I want you to listen to this really carefully, okay? You will always have weeds in your life. Now, I know some of you are like, how is that good news? Is that a parable, Libby? Do you need to <laughs> explain it? No, I just need to give you permission to be human. You're always going to have weeds. So, so just like take a deep breath right now and go, the goal of good soil is not perfection. The goal of good soil is openness and recognition. You need to know what those weeds are so that you can see them for what they are. Sometimes we have weeds in our yard. We don't even know they're weeds. I, this was me. There was this little thing. It looks like a clover. And it had flower on it. See, this is how good I am at gardening. And I said it in, that is the most beautiful flower. And he goes, no, that's a weed. <laughs> you see where I'm going with that? Sometimes you look out into the yard of your life and you go, that's so beautiful. And God's like, actually, that's a weed. <laughs> you know what weeds are like? Weeds are like a habit um, that's like a warm blanket that we just put around ourselves. And we go, this makes me feel better. When you, when, when you have to look at what's in your life, and, and we all have it, and, and you'll have it until the day you die, the goal is to be aware of it so that you can let God and tend to it with you, um, is to just go ahead and say, wow, where, where am I susceptible to weeds? Because everybody's different, right? Everybody has things that are different, um, that draw, that, that look like flowers to you, but actually are weeds. We, we all do. And, Hmm, this is hard work. It is hard work, you guys, to stop and go, let me look inside and see places where maybe there are weeds. Now, we tend to think about weeds as behaviors. That's kind of how we're, we're programmed, that thing I did. Or, and, and certainly, the, sometimes the things we do are weeds. But the reason that they grow out of something else. You know, God is really interested in tending our hearts. Uh, when our hearts are tended, how we live changes. Um, sometimes we get it backwards. We go, I'm, I'm, oh, I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I, I won't do it. You know, and then you're defeated by like the first five minutes of the day. You know, I'm, I'm not going to yell at my kids. And then, you know, they do something like kids, all, like kids do. They're kids. And then we yell at them. Or I'm not going to like be annoyed by that person in my office who shares a cubicle next to me when they start, you know, doing that thing they do that makes me feel crazy. You're like, I'm not going to. And then they do it and you're like, you know, like, and there's nothing wrong with trying. Let, let me be clear. I'm not saying let's just all like go, whatever. Okay. No, but you know, behavior changes because we change inside. Many of you know that for a very long time in my life, I struggled with alcohol addiction. I mean, and I, I am not, I'm not the story that goes, I was an alcoholic and then God miraculously saved me and it went away. No, I was an alcoholic, I am an alcoholic, and I was saved by God, and I still am an alcoholic, and have, from time to time, still picked up alcohol and have drank it, okay? So I want to be really clear with you on that. I, I, I think it's really important to be honest about where we are. I have struggled with that. It was not until I understood the root of that struggle that I began to experience change in my motivation. Uh, like three years ago, four years ago, I had, um, I, I stole this phrase from a woman named Brene Brown. Um, I had a breakdown spiritual awakening moment in my life. Now, I came to Christ when I was 20 years old. So I'd like to say that three years ago <laughs> I was 20, but uh, <laughs> it's not true. But I had this moment in time where several things happened at once. It was sort of like, I just had a perfect storm of loss in my life. I had several big losses in my life. And, and they were all different, and, uh, and, it, and I kind of just stopped functioning. I, I struggle with depression anyway, just biochemically. So that's not unusual for me to wake up and be like, oh. But I mean, I woke up, and I was like, oh. I couldn't get out of bed a lot of days. And I, got I was in despair. I was Psalm 42 deep calling. And, and I, started, I started drinking again. And I had to keep it a secret. 
Because God forbid I would tell the truth about my brokenness. I mean, how sad is that? How sad is that? Here in this place, this should be the place where you could walk in and go, you guys, I'm broken. And know that people will open their arms to us and say, me too. Let's walk alongside each other and figure out what has got your core, where the roots of those weeds are so that God can get... This is the place that should happen. How sad is it that for so many of us who call ourselves Christians, we, we think we're supposed to not have weeds in our garden, and so when we have them, we hide, and we isolate, and we break down. So there I was, and it just started breaking down. So I, 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 I for about a year, kind of lived in this sort of foggy state and just kind of was getting my kids to school and coming home. and just, I mean, it was awful. I'm not going to lie. Awful. I didn't know what end was up. I didn't know why I felt the way I did. I thought I was a loser because who does this? I thought I knew too much. And how can you be a pastor and a theologian and be an alcoholic who's actually drinking? <laughs> I mean, it was awful. And I was just shaming myself mercilessly. And I'm just going to tell you something right now. When you hear a voice of shame in your life, that is not God's voice. That is the voice of the devil, of evil, whatever you want to call it, because that tells you you are not good enough, and God has not spoken that over you. God has said from the get-go, you are enough because I am enough. So you have that voice in your head about whatever little weed you have, and you hear that voice saying, you're this, you're that, how... Stop right there and figure out where that's coming from because that's not coming from God. Now, now God tells us the truth, right? And, and the truth says, wow, that, that, I know that alcohol isn't helpful for me um, and I'm drinking it. Hmm, that's not a good choice. That, that's truth, okay? But, but that, that's not the same as saying I'm a loser. That behavior, not helpful. That behavior... Uh, not life-giving, but that behavior is not me. That is, a, that is an outgrowth of some sort of weed that was in my life that I had not yet fully identified. Now, I, I'm a big believer in looking internal, so I love to look inside and ask questions, but I wasn't super excited about it this time because I knew that probably the, the roots of this weeds were really deep and they were scary. So I went to get some help, you know, because I'm a big, I, I don't care. I'm like, sure, I'll go to a therapist. Yes, help me, please, anyone. Because to me, God gifted that woman to help me. That's God's gift to me. That's not God going, wow, you need help. Hmm, okay. Just <laughs> you're kind of one of the lower tiers. That's how God spoke to me. And I, I want to encourage any of you, if you're in a place where you are stuck, do not be ashamed to say, I need help. God is there to help us. This is God's goal for us, to get that soil churned up so it can be uh, fruitful and we can live fully. So I go in and I tell my story, and I'm like, look, this is embarrassing. I'm in my 50s. I know better than this. I'm just talking, you know. And, and uh, we just start going through a long, just this long process of, of, of letting God reveal some things to me that I had hidden away hidden away because I was afraid. And a lot of that had to do with having needs and being vulnerable. And you cannot go through life, ladies, without having needs and without being vulnerable or you will die, which is what was happening to me slowly one day at a time. We are human people who have needs and vulnerabilities and we have got to come alongside each other and say, it's okay let's help each other out. Let's let God grow us. There I was, growing up from a young age, not having been protected, uh, not being able to have needs, and, and all of a sudden having basically segmented an entire part of my humanity that God created and said, that's not okay. You can't feel sad. You can't need help. You can't have any of that. Well, you can only push that down for so long. And then it's like an amoeba. It just starts to spread out, and you're like, and it's not going to work. So there it was, and this stuff came uncovered for me, and then I got it. 
then I got the reason why I wanted to self-medicate when I felt anxious or when I felt sad or when I felt out of control. And then I could say to myself in that moment when all I wanted to do was have a drink, that's actually not what you need right now. What you need is to, like some days I do this, it's literally I just put my arms around myself because no one else is there and I just hold myself and I say, you're worthy of love and belonging and you matter and it's going to be okay. Okay, I, I got to tell you something. If I had seen someone do this <laughs> like four years ago and say that out loud, here's what would have been going on in my head if I were sitting out there. I would have been nodding like, hmm, yeah, what? That's where I was. And God said, you know what? If, you're, if you want your soil to be good and, and, and productive and fruitful, then we got to get into that weed. That weediness for me was about shame. I didn't even know I, I, didn't even know I felt it. I knew in my head. I, I knew in my head God loved me, right? I knew that here. Everybody told me that. I read it in the Bible. I, I preached on it for crying out loud. But I did not know it here. I really did not think that I was worth the soil that that seed was thrown on. There's just this moment of liberation for me, you guys. I mean, like, wow, you know what? These weeds are my friends because they're helping me see the brokenness that God so deeply wants to heal in our lives. You see, God looks at us, our, our, our soil, and, and really what God, God doesn't see weeds. God sees beauty. God sees the garden that is becoming. We look at our thing and we go, oh, gosh, mm, yeah, I thought it was good, and now it's weedy. Ugh. God's like, you know what I see when I see your garden? I see beauty. I see, I see longing. I see brokenness. I see a young girl who just needs to be held and loved and hugged and told she's going to be okay. Now, that's scary stuff, isn't it? I know some of you are like, yeah, okay, good. I, I don't, rocky soil's fine. It, it, it is. I, I'm not going to lie to you. That's hard stuff. Now, not everybody's story is mine, you know? So, so I don't want to scare you, but I also want to be honest with you. When you want to be good soil, you've got to work at it. God does his part, but you have to do yours. I mean, you've got to be willing to go into those. It's like the monsters under the bed. You've got to be willing to go, nope, I'm going to look under the bed. In fact, I'm not just going to look. I'm going to crawl under the bed. I'm not just going to go around the bed and go, there's monsters under there. You will understand yourself better. You will know yourself better. When you know yourself, you're able to live out of the person God made you to be. You're able to live freely. You're able to say, you know, it doesn't really matter whether you think this is dumb or not. You can think whatever you want. Because I know this is what I need. And I know this is who God loves. We live out of that space. Our whole demeanor changes. Our whole way of looking at the world changes. Um, it's radical. It's scary. But growth is always scary. And it always takes effort. I started doing yoga this year because I'm older. And I noticed when I was getting out of bed, like, my bones kind of hurt. Like, I, I would kind of go, I used to just hop out, you know? And now it's like I kind of, or if I've like been sitting in the car driving over here, I get out and I'm like, I, I swear I look like a two-year-old who pooped their pants. I'm like. <laughs> so I thought, I got to. So I started doing yoga. So I, it was hilarious. I mean, like. I'm not good at it, really, which is really hard for me, because I like to be good at things. I always want to be good soil. And in the yoga world, I don't even know if I'm on soil. I, I think I am, but it's been hard, right? It takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of effort to get better. I have to focus, right? I have to do my breathing, and I have to go, it's OK that when I do the crow pose, I probably am going to land on my head, which, yes, I have done that more than once. Literally fell over onto my head and rolled. Uh, but um, if I ever want to get to be able to do that, I have to fall down on my head and roll, maybe, right? So it takes a lot of effort and energy for us to let God into our lives to grow. It, it, might, it might feel a little embarrassing to say to your friend, I have a secret I haven't told anybody because I'm ashamed of it. 
Whoa. And you have to be careful who you tell. Don't, don't stand up, you know. <laughs> go, OK, Libby said it. Let me share. My... No, because my stuff, that's my journey that I've processed. You have to have people in your life who are safe containers to hold that. God is that person, and God will enflesh that for you in someone else. That's how God works. That's why we're all about community. We hold each other's hands. We are holding the hand of God. It's not the perfect, you know. We're, I'm not God. You're not God. But when we hold each other's hands, we are saying God is with us. We are together. I am going to be the face and the hands and the heart of Jesus for you as you will be for me. And then you watch how your world around you will start to change. You watch. You watch when you start to love yourself for your imperfections and your struggles that when you go to the office and that person starts doing that thing, you become less this way and a little bit more like, I wonder if maybe they do that because they feel anxious that they might not be good enough for their job. I mean, your whole trip. Now, let me just be clear. There's a lot of days you are going to go, that's, that's normal. It's just you get a little bit better at seeing it, how God sees it, if you let God in there. If you let God in there. You know what your weeds are? And maybe you're fearful. You can step into that space because God looks at that pot and doesn't see weeds. God sees beauty. God's not standing in your garden going, tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. Let's go, loser. Do you believe that? I mean, do you believe that? Because I, I can tell you honestly, that there were a lot of days in my life where I could, somebody could say that, and I could be doing this, and inside I'm like, God loves everybody else. Or God loves me when I do it right. And now I'm like, you know what? Yeah, God loves me. Not in spite of my brokenness. Not because he had to. God loves me. Because it's in, it's in his heart to love me. And as I experience that kind of freedom, then I'm able to grow. Because I'm not worried about doing it right. You ever not done something because you were afraid you might do it wrong? Like, like dancing is one of those things for me. <laughs> I'm not, I really, I mean, I am playing the drums, but my rhythm is in maybe in my hand. It's hard for me. My daughter, an amazing dancer, like just has it. She, she does that little, see, I can't even do it. How do you do that? Whoop, you know, some of you know how to do this. Whatever it is, you know. She'll talk to me, and then she'll be like, <laughs> I don't know what that was, and I know it was disrespectful, but dang, I admire you right now. But you know what? I like to dance. I do like to do it. So do you ever have something like that? You go, I really want to do I. So now, you know, if you see me, and there's music on, and I started, it's, it, it could be comical. And maybe that's why God has me doing it, to give you comic relief. <laughs> but I just go for it now. Who cares? I was in my closet last night dancing when my husband walked in. I had headphones on. I was listening to the Spice Girls. Because I, I saw Adele sing to the Spice Girls on that video, because my daughter, who was in high school class, so, so she sang this little Spice So I, I was like, I remember the Spice Girls. I tat it on, you know? If you want to be my lover. <laughs> and my husband walks in. And I'm like, I could feel stupid. Or I could just be like, hey, what's up? If you want to be my lover. <laughs> he loves the Spice Girls now. <laughs> All right. So you know what? Don't let things stop you because of your shame. Because God wants you to be who you are. And if you're afraid to show yourself, you will not grow. Because I can't grow by myself. And neither can you. So we, first of all, we grow deeper with God when we know what kind of soil we need. We need, we need that churned up soil. We need that fertilized soil. We need God to get in there and kind of knead through it, almost like a you know, you're, you're, you're making a loaf of bread. And we need to know, OK, you know what? It's OK. I have weeds in my garden. It's OK. Because God's not looking at them with disdain and disgust and disappointment. God's looking at them with opportunity. Like, this weed is an opportunity. Let's go. Come. Here we go. I'm with you. I believe in you. I love you. You don't want to live like that. The third thing we do is we, we collaborate with God. You know, wouldn't it be nice if God had a magic wand? I'm all for it. Trust me. Could we, could, could, 
Who wants a magic wand, God? Thank you. I would like that, God. I'm not going to lie. I would like to just have God go, oh, good, okay, I'm perfect. Hope, hope you get the magic wand one day. Uh, but that's not how it works, because you know what? You don't learn things when, when there's a magic wand. And here's the other thing. God's not a fixer. God's not a magician. God is not Olivia Pope. God is a transformer. And transformation only happens when there's a partner in it. I don't transform myself. I was telling Cheryl when we walked in, I said, oh, I, I, I did a fashion overhaul this year. Some of you are probably like, yeah, I've never seen you wear like almost a dress before. That, <laughs> uh, and I did. I, I, I thought, you know, I, I'm doing all this internal work. I'm starting to feel good about me. I don't feel like I have to hide. I feel good about being a woman. So I was so fearful of that because of the sexual abuse that I had endured that I didn't know I had had until the weed got pulled up and out. And all of a sudden, I was like, I am good. So I went and I said to this woman in the store, help me, because I got no idea. <laughs> really, I don't, you know. I did. And she was like, oh, this is like a salesperson's dream, you know. Really, how, how much money do you have to spend? <laughs> So she did, you know, and so I, I, and I thought for sure when she, she's like, well, would you wear leggings? Well, and I'm like, like, okay, maybe. <laughs> now, I know for some of you, you're like, what's the big deal about leggings? Well, it's a big deal for me. Okay? Or would you wear a long shirt that looks like a dress? Okay, I'll try it. And, and I had this little transformation happen for me, and I'm, I'm really digging it. Like, I'm like, I like it, you know, I, I feel good. <laughs> But you know what? When I walked into that store and I looked at all those clothes, I had no idea how I would transform myself. I needed help. I needed somebody who goes, I got an eye for you. Tell me about you, who you are. What you oh, here, try that, 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 that. Then she brought me this one shirt. I was telling Cheryl, it's like kind of, it was like kind of sheer, you know, like, and had like a ruffle on it. And, and, and it, I was like, <laughs> wait. But then I put it on and I'm like, you know what? I look good in this. I should have worn it for you today. I didn't even think about that. Uh, I'll, I'll wear it the next time I come if, if you have me back. Um, <laughs> point is, you can't do it by yourself. We collaborate. We collaborate first with God. We go, God, okay, let's go. But then we collaborate with each other, too. You know, farmers, they don't, they're just out there by themselves. I mean, they have, they have help. They have, in the ancient days, you know, the oxen. Man, they put that, the, the yoke on, and they're at, because their fields aren't going to get plowed any other way. They can't produce a crop. Now, here's the cool thing about this parable. When we let God into that process, when we collaborate with God and one another, <clears throat> Jesus says in this parable this, the seed that fell on good soil represents, and, and, and it harvests 30, 60, or even 100 times more. So you need to understand that that might not seem like a lot to us, but if you were a farmer, and, and you would be a farmer listening to Jesus because he, he gave this message in Capernaum, which is a farming and fishing village. So they knew a lot, a lot about soil and harvest. And, and they knew that that was insane. Like that wasn't just like, oh, that'd be a good year. They were like, that year doesn't even exist. And God said, oh, no. Oh, no. When my hand is, here, it is on it, 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 will, it will come forth. It, it, it may not be abundant numbers. So don't like, we're not saying, oh, yeah, you're going to be rich. I was hoping when I bought that Powerball ticket, but, <laughs> but you are going to be rich. You will be rich inside. You will be rich. You will be who you are when God created us. What does he say at the end of the Genesis? He creates the whole world. He, tells, he says they're good, it's good, it's good. And then he creates male and female, and he says, very good. Very good. God has planted himself within us as his image bearers. We are marred. Yes, we are. But that doesn't mean that image isn't there, waiting to be unveiled. A little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, till the day that God comes back and we see ourselves for the glory that he sees. For he is in his glory. Gosh, you guys, don't you want to live that way? I mean, don't you want to just say, okay, now is the moment. Now is the moment. If you're struggling with perfectionism, like you think you have to do it perfectly right, uh, and you don't think that God's image is in you, I want to end today with, with this quote. It's by a fellow that I really love his, his work. His name's Richard Rohr. 
this Catholic priest, and he's really helped me on my journey of letting go of, of feeling like I have to be enough on my own. Because God has already told me I'm enough. And Jesus already spoke that over me when he died and was raised. And he says this, if we must have perfection to be happy with ourselves, we have only two choices. We can either blind ourselves to our own evil and deny the weeds. And what I would insert there, too, is, and then point out everybody else's weeds in order to make ourselves feel we don't have them. Or we can give up in discouragement. Too many weeds. I'm not going to have a crop. Deny the wheat. But if we put aside perfection and we face the tension of having both, then we can hear the good news with open hearts. It takes uncommon humility to carry the dark side of things. It takes a kind of courage to carry the good side, too. You see, that's the reality of who we are. We are both those things. We are, the, we are image bearers of God that have parts of us that are darker and marred. And we have to be willing to say, I am both those things. And God is with me, and I am enough. If we try to be perfect and hide, it will choke us out and kill us. And if we want life, then we experience the labor that comes with being real and human. Anybody that's had a child or has watched a child being born or seen it on TV or in your senior year in high school when the teacher didn't have anything else to teach you, you know it comes at a cost. Comes at a cost. Great pain and joy all in the same moment. That's what it's like. This is our life. This is walk with God. Pain and joy. Sorrow and, and celebration, darkness and light, and God holds it all. Grow with me, ladies. Grow with me. Let's pray. Oh, God, I'm so grateful for brokenness. I don't think I ever would have thought I would have prayed that prayer. And yet you have shown me that it is in that place of my humanity that you do your best work. Help us, God, to know where we are today, wherever we might be, whatever kind of soil we're standing in right now, God, you're in that soil. You are not standing away from it. You are not looking down on it. You are not standing aside of it judging. You are in it waiting for us to collaborate with you. Lord, in your mercy, in your kindness, and in your grace, may we become the gardens that you have seen all along. Give us courage, make us brave, bring people into our lives who we can trust and who will help us to become who we already are, which is your beloved whom you have chosen and in whom you delight. Jesus, we love you. We pray it in your name.